Hey everyone, it's Travis May, the host of the podcast you're about to listen to. But before I dive in, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we'll help you get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all of this for only 15 dollars a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience acceptance into the program is limited so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com join check out the description box for this episode to find out more but that's bwhustle.com join Race tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and if you're joining us for the first time in this very new year, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to end-season college and NFL breakdowns to NFL draft coverage, all the way to discussions as to who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always talk about some fantasy football since this is a Rotoviz radio podcast, but we also make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. So first off, I just want to say Happy New Year. To everyone, and I, I, you probably noticed, we took a couple weeks off, but we'll be actually diving back into a bunch of college football playoff stuff today and a bunch of NFL draft stuff again here soon. But uh, thanks for sticking with us since through the holiday season. Hope you guys had a good time with family. But I am joined by a very special guest today to talk about the college football playoff, some of our top 2021 NFL draft prospects, and of, of course, some of my guest favorite players throughout college. I think he watches just about every single game there is <laughs> on TV and, 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 and wherever he can get them. But my special guest this week is Thor Nystrom of Roto World and NBC Sports. Many of you may already be familiar with his work uh, as a league college football writer and NFL draft analyst there. Uh, he's also former FSWA College Sports Writer of the Year and Rolling Stone Award winner. Thor Nystrom is just, he's, he's the dude. So really glad to have you on the show, Thor. Thanks for joining me. Really looking forward to talking ball with you today. Excited to be here, Travis. Yeah, this is, this is good stuff. First show of the new year. Uh, hopefully uh, th- this year's a, li- a little bit different than the last year, uh, uh, but uh, really looking forward to next week's matchup in the, the college football championship game. But really just excited to dive into the man of the hour, and that is Justin Fields from the college football playoff semifinal. Uh, really wowing some people. Uh, you know, It feels like just last week he was dropping into the quarterback five discussion for some people and and now all of a sudden uh, everyone's flipped the script and he's back to where he belongs in the 1b or quarterback two conversation for you i know i've talked to you a little bit about justin fields but man were you were you at all surprised by the outcome of that game not from the perspective of the ohio state offense you know i mean like just you know you know i handicapped the game just looking into the advanced analytics clemson's defense had sort of a troubling propensity to give up explosive plays both against the run and the pass. And so, you know, we sort of knew that Ohio State was going to get their fair share of chunk plays. The stunning thing 
the the truly stunning thing. I, I tweeted this out last night because I just I could not wrap my head around it. Was just how badly Ohio State's defense dominated Clemson's offense. Yeah, that, I mean we, we had no precedent for that during the season for just how dominant Ohio State's defense was going to be against what was truly an elite offense. So for me, that was the stunning thing. But, you know, before the game, I, I was advocating for people to uh, parlay Ohio State money line and the over of that game, which paid over <laughs> five to one. And oh, that yeah. ended up hitting. So I, I wasn't terribly, terribly surprised by the way the game played out outside of Clemson's offense struggling that badly, which I don't think anyone could have foreseen that coming. The, the Tennessee Titans, I'm a Titans fan, and we just lost Kerry Combs to Ohio State. You know, he's just a DB mastermind, just a defensive mastermind, especially with with defensive backs. And so uh, they've clearly made progress because <laughs> they, they did not look like the same team that has showed up in prior weeks, especially like, like I think back to what the Penn State game where Jahan Dotson had like three touchdowns and they were making that putrid offense look good uh, to where they were, you know, this week in the college football playoff. It's, it looks like a completely different team, but they have some really solid defensive minds on staff there. So I was surprised that it was that dominant, but you had to expect that, man, the biggest game, biggest stage, they're going to be ready and boy, were they ready. It, they just, when they brought the pressure, they got to Trevor Lawrence. They were just throwing him to the turf. It seemed like every other play, uh, especially down the stretch when they were trying to, you know, go into catch up mode. But man, I think a lot of people, what was the line? It was like seven, seven and a half. I think you got it at like seven points in favor of Clemson. Uh, and it was 21 points the other way. So yeah, that was definitely surprising to most people, definitely and most people that uh, set the lines out in Vegas. But Justin Fields, was he your quarterback too, even coming into this game or before his ridiculous performance, six touchdowns? Yeah, he was. Um, you know, I, I haven't put my rankings out yet, but I, I feel like, you know, uh, we were sort of talking about this before the show, the uh, the sort of the ridiculous uh, nature of the QB2 discussion on, on yeah. draft Twitter over, you know, the last 72 hours, you know, or I mean, you could really, you know, sort of extend that window to, to three weeks or so, you know, to encapsulate, you know, Fields' air quote struggles before that. <laughs> I feel like this conversation is more about human nature than it is about the players themselves. You know, I mean, like you had Zach Wilson, who was ripping up a procession of mostly terrible uh, defenses, <laughs> which isn't to say, you know, anything negative about his talent. I mean, Zach Wilson was awesome this year and he made he would make, I don't know, minimum four or five wow NFL throws every single game. You know, those things were be scrambling to the right and throw, you know, a frozen rope 40 yards downfield you know, on a line, you know, hit, hit a receiver right on the sideline, you know, in the window where only he could catch, you know, kind of a thing yeah. like that, just jaw dropping type things. This is not a negative thing about Zach Wilson at all. People need to understand Trevor Lawrence. I mean, and they, they don't need to understand it. It's just an obvious, I mean, this is just a fact. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were two of the great high school football recruits of all time. Not a quarterback thing in, in the history of the 247 composite, those two guys, you know, you're talking about two of the five best recruits of all time, sort of like LeBron James, you know, guys who got incredible hype coming in and somehow surpassed it. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence only lost to two, only lost twice as a starter in, in his college career. He lost to Joe Burrow in a national title game 
and he lost last night to, to Justin Fields. Justin Fields only has one loss in his career, you know, as, as a starter, and that was last year to, to Trevor Lawrence. We'll we'll find out, you know, going ahead to the Alabama game and see if he can keep that intact. But these guys are just insane. To me, Zach Wilson did not pass Justin Fields. That, that was a little bit, uh, you know, recency bias type stuff um, yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you talk about the context for, like, Fields's you know, performances there the last couple weeks. The Michigan State game, Ohio State had out, like, 25 players this is this was Ohio State's second to last game of the season so Ohio State played six regular season games they're second to the last one of the season they have out like a quarter of their roster plus multiple assistant coaches Ryan Day I believe missed that game <laughs> yeah it was it was um, a mess for like two weeks in it a was row an absolute mess and he still goes 17 for 24 for 200 yards two touchdowns zero interceptions and then yeah. two two rushing touchdowns too like 100 rushing and, yards like he just dominated <laughs> Exactly. You know, and then and then the next game in the in the Big Ten title game, the the one where everyone, you know, really gets on his case, he injures the throwing thumb, his his throwing thumb. Chris Olave's out of that game. Uh, Jackson Nigbo was out of that game. Um, they had all these guys out. They they also had multiple assistant coaches out in that game. You're talking about like it, it wasn't just the that the roster was severely compromised. It wasn't just that the coaching staff was severely compromised in both games. It's also that the continuity was severely compromised. Right. Everything. Like everything. You saw Kyle Trask, you know, and you know, in his last game where he didn't have a couple of his top targets the way that he looked, the people didn't give the same, um, you know, sort of uh, concessions for Justin Fields. They just sort of wanted to jump on like, oh, Zach Wilson is clearly uh, hop Justin Fields. And that that whole narrative that was going against Justin Fields as a sort of prospect was also happening concurrently with Ohio State in the betting market, which was the only reason why Ohio State was a seven and a half point underdog to yeah. Clemson. You know, this was this was something I was arguing in my column. This was only a perception thing. This had nothing to do with reality. This all had to do with the COVID issues that Ohio State had been dealing with over the past you know couple of weeks, which had fooled really like an entire month. Life. Like it, it just been a mess. Like we didn't even know Chris. Like we didn't know if Chris Olave was even going to be available for the playoff until what, like a week or something before. Like it was just a mess for the entire month of December with the program. And and yeah, I, I was right there with you. I think nationally, a lot of people didn't realize it because they, you know, Ohio State they'd only played like four games before the Michigan State game, and then Northwestern. And it was like, oh, that's Northwestern. That's not even really going to be a game because everyone just thinks Northwestern's bad, but they were actually incredible on defense. And so I think Ohio State was just was just this afterthought, right? And so because of that, everyone started pumping Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson had a couple games in December that looked incredible, and so that changed the quarterback two debate. But man, it was all like you said about perception. And I and I love that you you were talking about the betting market that aspect of things that that really does shape I think more people's perception than we're even really aware of. Oh yeah, I mean I I would agree, and it also sort of crystallizes some of these things, right? Like. You know, when we talk about like, you know, Zach Wilson and, and, and Justin Fields, like, you know, typically it's just sort of like these these sort of, you know, cliches from from draft uh, writers and, and draft Twitter vernacular. You know, you talk about like draft stock, stuff like this. It's just these sort of nebulous terms. But in the betting market, it's not. You know, it's it's something tactile that you can touch, you know, and, and when it comes out and, and the line is, is Clemson minus seven and a half. I'm sort of scratching my head like, yeah. 
okay, I, I, I know that Ohio State is just as talented as, as Clemson is, um, and I know that Ohio State, they're, they're, they were severely compromised against Northwestern. I know that Nor- Northwestern is one of the best defenses in the nation. It's very strange to me that now Ohio State is catching over a touchdown, and, and the money line is implying that, you know, over two to, two to one. It was, it was basically, you know, close to two and a half to one on, on Ohio State on your money, yeah. um, you know, betting last night on the money line, which was just absurd. I mean, you know, looking at the talent on, on both teams. And and by the way, I just wanted to touch quick, you know, going back to, to Kerry Coombs, like what what a job last night. Just absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, this is a guy who brought up, I mean, like, you know, it, 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 this was DBU. I mean, that's the reason, obviously, that he, he went off to the NFL. He just developed all these, these stud corners and safeties and stuff like that. But this year was not the same, right? Like Sean Wade was the one guy coming back that people had you know, big time NFL expectations for, they move them out of the slot, move them to the boundary because of the corners, you know, Okuda and the kid, the Raiders overdrafted yeah, Damon, what, last year, Arnett. you know, and yeah. And, and so now, you know, they, they wanted Wade to play the boundary. Wade stunk this year. Yeah, um, it was you know, bad. <laughs> and dude, even last night, like when Ohio state's defense was playing really well, we saw Wade get lost in coverage multiple times. I mean, like some of uh, Clemson's big chunk plays were a result of, of Sean Wade just sort of wandering around like Mr. Magoo. It was sort of like he'd, he'd get like <laughs> his eyes lost in the lights and he'd be like, where the hell am I supposed to be? And he'd, he'd sort of turn the wrong way and all of a sudden Cornell Powell's just running by him. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like the, the fact that Kerry Coombs, like his his cornerback one was not good. This, this You know, I mean, especially, you know, just looking at the Clemson game and you're going against arguably the best college quarterback since what Andrew Luck yeah um and they just absolutely shut him down I mean they, they made Trevor Lawrence yesterday look like you know I mean Spencer Sanders or something you know or Charlie Brewer I mean, <laughs> yeah it, somebody he looked awful yeah it, it it did not look like the same Trevor Lawrence and, and people are going to overreact there and they're going to say oh well Justin Fields should be in the quarterback wonder conversation there's and that could be a whole monster in and of itself but but I, I was just excited to see that outcome. I it's funny. Travis, I, got, I will I, I will say this. I don't mean to interrupt, but I I, I do want to <laughs> say and, and I haven't tweeted this. I, I haven't said this to anyone else. But I, I got a text from an NFL agent. I, I have a buddy who's an agent. Texted me yesterday, and he asked me. He said, "You know, where do you have Fields?" And I said, "You know, I'd I'd have him. You know, QB two. And he said, "You know, where would you have Wilson right now?" You know, and I I said, "Well, probably three. But I I said, you know, I I'm really gonna sit down with the Wilson against Lance thing. You know, I." I yeah. That I'm I'm actually going to give that a fair run. I, I'm not I'm not conceding Wilson as three yet. And he said, "Do you want to see our um, analytics on the top five quarterbacks?" So, so this is they they run sort of a smaller boutique um, NFL agency where they go after some of the lower tier players. Um, and so what they've done is they developed a pr- proprietary analytical system to, to basically rank every single player in the class. And what they try to do is they try to find the biggest discrepancy between where their system is in the preseason in terms of, you know, where the ranking is and then where sort of the public perception is, because right. if they could do that, they can get on the, the these kids early, these, you know, quote unquote sleepers. And if they do that, they can get to them before the big agencies do. And the big agencies start offering big payments to these kids during the fall to sign with them which is what happens right um so if, if this agency can get out get out in front so that that's why they do this and th- these guys have done very well in, in recent years so th- you know this is sort of legit I, I just wanted to set that up with this sure he sends me his top five justin fields is their qb1 
And by their numerical system, by by a by a decent little bit over Trevor Lawrence, who was QB two, and he did say that you know for him it would be just about a dead heat between those two guys. And he also said, you know, we we had zero chance at either of these guys from the start. So right. you know, he's like, it's not like I'm you know th- there's any money on the line for me, you know, and saying one guy's better than the other. But he said, you know, our numbers point to to Fields as QB. I, I just found that very interesting. No, and by the way, definitely is their QB five. Their QB five. Zach Wilson, dude, that's okay. I'm in. I'm in love with. The, I, I need to find these people because <laughs> not that I dislike Zach Wilson. I just really like this quarterback class. I really like Trevor Lawrence. I really like Justin. Great Fields. quarterback I, class. I really like Trey, Trey Lance. I really like Mac Jones and even Kyle Trask. Like, like when you have all those guys and Zach Wilson, six guys really that even a couple months ago were all generating legitimate first round draft type like that's just it's not normal i i are all six going to be first round picks probably not at this point but still it was just an unbelievable class and so we can split hairs all we want to but really i i'm i'm right there in terms of when you break down justin fields and and trevor lawrence from a number standpoint and really look at their adjusted yards per pass attempt and what they're doing at, at different points down the field in terms of their accuracy and really breaking it down by the numbers and taking a you know really taking a close look, it's almost a tie. Like it's right there. Um, so the the argument for like an objective, clear, hey, Trevor Lawrence is obviously better. That's harder to do than I think a lot of people want to admit. Uh, and really, they both were like you said, like top ten all time prospects when they came into college. Like even when they were 16, 17 years old. I mean, I like back when you know Justin Fields. What was that? Four years ago was like on that Netflix show QB One, and all, he had all the expectations on his shoulders. And like you said, still just answered every question and and exceeded expectations uh, in his performance. Not only. This this weekend, but also really over the past two years, two full years as a starter, uh, their numbers are actually quite similar between Lawrence and Fields. That, that's there just was only be... one man who could stop Justin Fields in college, and that man was uh, Kirby Smart. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're like, you know what? We, we we like this Jake Fromm guy. Yeah, that's that's what yeah. we're gonna go with instead of Justin Fields, which that was just insane. And it, even when Justin Fields decided to go, I remember thinking, man, why is he going to Georgia? There's two. Two five stars already there, but I I just don't think I even understood back then. This this kid is just so so much clearly better than <laughs> than anything they had there. And man, he's really proven that. Just to go into that, I think Kirby Smart told Justin Fields when he signed, "You'll have a shot to compete for the starting starting job." And I think you know the, the big issue there was he actually didn't. You know, I I, I think right. Kirby Smart's idea was like, okay, we'll have Fromm for one year. You know what whatever. Um, you know, maybe two. Um, and, and, you know, I'll just sort of assuage Justin Fields, but I don't think Justin Fields was given a fair shot because I no. think even true freshman Justin Fields, you know, in a vacuum probably would have beaten out a veteran Jake Fromm, you know, you know, j- just with that. And especially if you sort of bake in the future uh, value, which Kirby Smart certainly should have done. I mean, Kirby Smart started Stetson F and Bennett for the first five games. He started <laughs> yeah. Dewan Mathis for the oh. first game this year. I mean, yeah. like, can you imagine if this Georgia team had had Justin Fields, but uh, I digress. They would have been ridiculous. So, yeah, being an SEC guy that, uh, you know, I root for Auburn. Uh, my two teams are Purdue and Auburn. So I'm, I'm glad to, to, to see Georgia not have a great quarterback situation. JT Daniels actually, is he has looked pretty good, uh, especially in the past few games. I didn't for the first half against Cincy, but he's getting there. But, yeah, I'm so glad. <laughs> 
uh, as an SEC guy that I didn't have to worry about fields uh, as much. And plus, I mean, Auburn's going to be bad now for a couple of years, so I don't have to really worry about that team at all anyway. It's like it's like yeah, you. And just speaking of Daniels, I I, I hope we get um, I, I hope we get a couple more years. Of, you know, I, I don't know what what JT Daniels' plans are. You know, as far as, but I know some people are trying to shove JT Daniels to the NFL. Let's just hold our horses on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, with JT Daniels, like his best skill right now, in my opinion, is arm strength. You know, like you saw in that Cincinnati game, he can really push the ball down the field. You know, a couple times with uh, George Pickens, yeah. Cincinnati just didn't have a chance. I mean, Mm-mm. when 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 Daniels just, just sort of sets it up and wings it, he can push the ball 70 plus yards down the field. No problem. You know, but the other stuff is is the issue for him and obviously you have the lack of mobility and you know where the nfl has gone and 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 i think you know going back to the agent thing i think a big part of their system i I think they baked a lot more mobility into their quarterback numbers and so i think you know with daniels yeah you're you're always going to be able to stress uh the defense vertically but he's he's got to get better at the other stuff you know i mean like the three games that he started for georgia beforehand everyone's going nuts about him but he he faced three crappy defenses and you're going to be able to rip those defenses deep if you have George Pickens, but like he's got to figure out the nuances of of his position, be able to beat good defenses, you know, in in the intermediate sector as well, um, you know, especially to make up for that lack of mobility going forward. He is an interesting prospect just because he can kill you deep, but um, he's got to figure out the other stuff. He is not a finished pros, you know, product or prospect yet. Yeah, and I think it's his career has been interesting because he had a really good start uh kind of made some bad decisions with the, with interceptions at, in his, his true freshman season out of USC uh you know gets hurt and then the transfer and then he's not even really healthy I guess to start this year so I, I hope he he pans out and eventually goes to the NFL perhaps makes the uh, 2022 class more interesting when he does come out perhaps after next season but back to the college football playoff other, other than the quarterbacks Justin Fields Trevor Lawrence I mean that those guys will dominate the headlines for the next four months but other players in that game that, that you're excited about I mean I, I love Tra- Tra- you know, Travis Etienne he's still up there in the running back one conversation for me I mean I, a lot of people really love Najee Harris and I do too uh, is he still in the running back one conversation for you yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, you know, I, I want to touch on on ETN first. Don't don't nick ETN because of that performance yesterday. Yeah. He he was compromised that whole game. I mean, we saw him on the sidelines basically every time he came off. You know, they they were working on his ankles. He was cramping up. I mean, he, he had issues in that game. The other thing is Ohio State has a good run defense, but they they do do also have a propensity to give up longer passing plays. And so just like the year before, ETN you know sort of got loose on a couple of the receiving plays. What I love about ETN is the past couple of years he worked his ass if I. Can say that he worked his ass off, um, you know, as, as far as getting better as a receiver, which the first couple of years of his career he was he was not good at. Um, and Najee Harris is he's, he's just an absolute stud. I mean, like when, when you played Alabama this year, that the interesting thing about this Alabama team was in contrast to years past, I mean, like you know, last year they had uh. You know, I mean, like you just think about all all the different weapons they had. You know, with with Judy and Waddle and Smith and you know Harris. You know, what's that? I was just saying it was nuts how stacked they were. Yeah, you just go on and on, and then you know you look at the years before. You have all these different receivers. You know, I'm not even talking about like Mechie and and, and guys like that. You know, down the line. But this year, once Waddle went out, it was basically just the Smith and Mechie show at receiver. They didn't really throw to anybody else, and then it was just Harris at at running back. They, you know, in years past they've had um, more of the the sort of rotations, but this year they went back to more of the Derrick Henry thing because they didn't have you know another guy that they felt could sort of you know take some. 
of that usage off of him. And so it was basically just three skill guys that, that Alabama was just isolating all their usage on, and they were still just impossible to stop. Yeah. Um, they went to that 12 personnel, and, uh, I mean, Harris is – I mean, he, he he's just a great player. Um, and as far as Etienne, I, again, I, I wouldn't ding him on uh, on what we saw recently. As far as guys, um, you know, of, of what we saw, you know, just during the playoff games that probably elevated themselves in just sticking with the, the running back thing, Trey Sermon made himself some money the last oh, couple yeah. of games and probably Holy a cow. significant amount of money. I mean, we're talking about a guy – before the playoff, or I'm sorry, before the Big Ten title game, you're talking about a guy, if he declared for the draft, probably sixth, seventh round, honestly. Or, or undrafted, even. Like, I mean, or if you undrafted. look at, like, but until December, like, his his most rushing yards that he had had in a game was 68, and that was against Rutgers. Like, <laughs> he hadn't really done much at all. He hadn't even seen more than, what, 14 touches in a game. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, what, it was the Northwestern game. He had, like, 300 yards. Uh, and even before that, the Michigan State, I mean, obviously Michigan State's not supposed to be this crazy defense, but like we talked about, Northwestern is a really good defense and to just completely embarrass them for 300 <laughs> yards and then to show up, have another 30 carries in the, you know, in the, in the national championship semifinal game for almost 200 rushing yards again, and then to add some as a receiver, man, he's, he's looking what, well, he's looking like the player we thought he could be when he's when he was a freshman back at Oklahoma. Like I was really hyped at when he was a freshman, and then he struggled with health, and then he you know he kind of disappeared, and then transferred, and we we're like, okay, this is a shot, and then he still didn't do anything, and then all of a sudden three games happen, and he's he's the next Ezekiel Elliott. Like, <laughs> he, like if you, yeah, it's. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. I mean, like you know, he had the he had the injury issues, and then you know he sort of got cucked by Kennedy Brooks, you know, at at, yeah. at Oklahoma, and you know. A part of that, you know, we're not inside the building. So, you know, you know, was was all of that because Sermon was was coming off the injury and it was just a little bit slow. And Kennedy Brooks is obviously a really good player. Was it because they just felt that Kennedy Brooks was was the better? Who who knows? Uh, But, you know, Sermon, I mean, obviously was, you know, ballyhooed prospect. And when he's been on the field, he's shown flashes in the past. And then, you know, this year he finally gets, you know, the 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 shot to to sort of become the bell cow here because, you know, the, the Ohio State they backfield sort of thinned out and man it's just so impressive these these past couple games when you're talking about northwestern and clemson i i've nitpicked clemson's defense a bit here but they're a top 10 sp plus defense yeah and sp plus is, it's not a counting stat like um Ar- army has you know during the season army had one of the they, they were either like first or second in terms of like total defense but army played three fcs teams and played uh three other teams that were ranked like SP plus like 105 or below. So they, they played six out of their 11 games were against teams that were just absolutely horrific. So, you know, you can't count the, the you can't trust the counting stats, but Clemson by the advanced numbers had a top 10 defense. And like I said, obviously so did Northwestern sermon in those two games had over 500 total yards and absolutely dominated them. Just absolutely dominated both of those teams. And it wasn't because of um, the space that he was being provided, you know, like sometimes, you know, in these spread offenses, you'll, you'll see some of these running backs who just, get to steal yards because the boxes are so, so thinned out you know like um uh i'm trying to think of a uh, you, you know I'm, I'm not sure if, if people on this uh podcast watch much uh west virginia football but there's a, a running back they have named letty brown who really takes oh, advantage yeah. of west virginia's they, they, they spread the defense out real wide and letty brown he's he's a really interesting running back because he'll get uh He'll get stuffed like, you know, two straight plays. And then the next one, he'll run for like a 75 yard touchdown. You know, he's basically just, it's <laughs> That's like, been his uh, whole season. Yeah. It's like in, in baseball, there's this idea of the three true outcome type hitter where it's either like a strikeout, a walk, or a, or a home run. 
you know, that, that sort of like Letty Brown is like, he, he's, he's either getting stuffed or he's, he's looking for a crooked number. That That's not Trey Sermon is, is, is the point I'm trying to make. Like, yeah. he's not sort of taking advantage of that. He's not sort of like a one-trick pony. This is a 225-pound back who's extremely physical. But what's cool about him, the, the, the cool dichotomy is he's got awesome feet awesome vision and really good quickness so when you're talking about a kid who's extremely physical and by the way when i say extremely physical i don't mean that as a cliche watch watch the game this is a kid who like you know yesterday i put the i I tweeted this out but like there was one play where he's running towards the sidelines easily could have gone out and instead he like sort of jumps up in the air and flies like a ninja to try to get like (laughs) you know three extra yards and he just you know i mean like he yeah. took on two two Clemson defenders near the sidelines. He jumps up in the air like that. It's literally just to get two or three extra yards. Um, he's putting his body at risk, but he does that that crap all the time. He, he's another guy. Like um, there was a play near the end of the game where he was going to come up just a couple yards short of the first down, and he sort of manipulated the defender's momentum against him because he had a defender draped on his back. And Sermon just sort of spun the other way as they were sort of going down and was able to get the first down. He- yeah, unbelievable. Little things like that. I, I see that, too. It's just un- unbelievable, uh, just coordination and quick decision-making that, that make him a lot of fun. Plus, on top of that, he gave us, like, he already gave us the, the best gif of the entire year. Like, that that moment where he's, like, hanging out with his, you know, like, celebrating, and then he just looks up at the, the Sky Camp. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just makes eye contact with the yeah. Sky Camp. Just, just absolutely superb. And it was uh, right man. when the... Yeah, the thing came on where it said like call reversed or whatever you know <laughs> yeah anyway i'm a big fan of that kid because i you know i i like those um you know when i'm looking at running backs coming up for the draft there, there's always going to be the kids that are going to get sort of drafted um you know where their sort of value range just sort of is you know um and i don't like paying a premium if anyone's listening to this you've heard running backs people who have my job say this over and over again <laughs> i don't like paying a premium for running backs and so what i'm always looking for is a guy who can do very specific things for me and can carry do certain things for me or carry a certain workload for me where I can get it at, at some sort of a discount. And even though this idea that Sermon has sort of jumped from, you know, whether it was round six, seven, or whether it was even undrafted to, in my opinion, I believe he's now going to go in the third round. I, I, I think that's how high wow. he's jumped here in, in the last couple of games. Th- there might be this idea of like, oh, well, he's th- th- that's actually not really a, a, a value pick. You know, he's just sort of, you know, inflated his side. But I actually still think he is. Because, you know, this is a guy who's going to get knocked for a lack of high-end speed and an injury rap sheet and probably a little bit for not being able to get on the field at certain times for Oklahoma and, and Ohio State. But he can he can do so many different things to help a team. I, I know that he's going to be able to handle a workload. I know that he's always going to be fighting for yards, you know, turn up field. I, I know that his skill set works in the NFL, being extremely physical, having awesome vision. He's very agile for a big guy. I, I love the guy's feet, you know, feet, vision, et cetera, with that physicality, with, with that sort of, you know, the creativity we were talking about where he can just sort of steal two, three extra yards on every run. It, it seems like, you know, that, that sort of a thing. He can also um, catch the ball. So, I mean, th- there's just various different things that, that Trey Sermon can do. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't see this as sort of a, a situational thing where he's blooming. I, I, yeah. I sort of see this as this is the guy that Trey Sermon is, and he's finally healthy and finally getting his opportunity. It just so happens to be what probably is the twilight of his college career. I, I, I would assume, you know, he can come back just like any player. I mean, yeah. we're in a very unique circumstance. I mean, like NFL draft fans and college football fans, we are entering an unprecedented cycle. It's going to be really weird. It, <laughs> it's it's so weird. We're even redshirt, even 60 year redshirt seniors have to <laughs> declare. Back. 
for the yeah. NFL draft because they can come back. I mean, anyone can come back because of the pause eligibility clock. But you, you know, I mean, so so Sermon of, of he he of course can come back. I assume he's he's going to go. But I just think he's a guy that can do so many different things for an NFL team. If I'm a guy, you know, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective, if Trey Sermon's a guy that gets into a a you know a decent spot, you know, like um, where he's you know like a, a situation sort of like you know you know Jonathan Taylor was drafted you know next to Marlon Mack. You, you get a situation like that where if Trey Sermon can get drafted into a situation where he's w- with sort of like a mediocre. Uh, veteran or, or where the, the team already has sort of a, a veteran scat back next to him and, and Sermon can sort of do the, you know, the, the bell cow early down stuff and, and can do a little receiving stuff, stuff like that. Um, I, I would want him in fantasy and dynasty oh, yeah. stuff like that. I, I, I would too. And I, and I, we forget that, what was it? Probably 2018 was his big year that I think I saw his dynasty and Debbie fantasy football stock soar like crazy. Cause he had like 1100 yards, more than a dozen touchdowns. He was looking really good. It looks like he was going to take his next step. And then he drops off. Reminds me in a way like, like Jamar, uh, Jamar Jefferson for Oregon state. He had the down year last year, but had that huge freshman season of like 1500 yards. And then this year he comes out and blows it up again. That's, that's what we're seeing with Trey Sermon. I think we're going to see both Trey Sermon and Jamar Jefferson with very imperfect production arcs in college, uh, but with huge final seasons, huge just stamps on their career that says, hey, I am a top five running back in this class. And they both earn day two capital. I really like Trey Sermon to to be in that conversation. It's it's going to be hard for me to rank him high, uh, like uh, you know higher than you know guys like I, I really like Javante Williams. I really like Jamar yeah. Jefferson. I you know guys up there who who have done it uh, in a larger sample. Uh, but I, he's definitely inserted his name in in that day two conversation now, which is a lot of fun. And we will continue on, on the other side talking about some of our favorite college football. Playoff playmakers and a few other guys we're excited about for this year's NFL draft. But first, a word from our sponsors. The NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. 
try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. All right, it's been fun talking about some quarterbacks and running backs, uh, mainly from the you know Clemson and uh, Ohio State teams and a few other names in between. And this is this has been a blast. So Thor, thanks so much for all the good stuff you've already brought. But want to dive into some wide receivers uh, in this in this college football playoff because there are some names that are definitely hotly debated. Uh, in you know, like Devontae Smith, like is he too old? <laughs> Cornell Powell, I think that will be another conversation. Is he too old? <laughs> like he's like a he's like a super senior and hasn't really done anything until now. But he had a great game this weekend. Amari Rogers has been the more trustworthy option this year. Chris Olave just going off this year. Like tons of names to really get excited about. I mean Garrett Wilson, that crazy catch. But guys that are going into the NFL draft this year for sure. Uh, you know, Devontae Smith, uh, Amari Rogers, and, uh, you know, Cornell Powell. First, the Clemson guys. Are you high on either of them? I can't find myself getting, you know, pumped and, and putting either Amari Rogers or Corn- Cornell Powell in the day two draft capital conversation, which we like to see for fantasy football. Uh, but are you, th- are you there with either of those guys? Uh, I'm not. You know, Powell's, uh, you know, in terms of what Clemson needed this year, he he provided that, right? Like, you know, I mean, Clemson going back several years now, you can just think about it in your mind. You, you can place the wide receiver ones. I mean, you know, this, this is a team that's sort of become wide receiver one you. I mean, you, yeah. you can just think yeah. about it. All, all the different studs they've had. And then T. Higgins walks out the door and Trevor Lawrence is looking around like, wait, where's my wide receiver one? He's like, <laughs> oh, it's Justin Ross. Oh, shoot. Like, it, you know, all of a sudden Justin Ross is gone. And now it's it's got to be Cornell Powell. I, I think Cornell Powell is a guy who's like, I, I think he's a guy who's going to carve out a niche in the NFL. You know, he's probably going to be one of those guys who's like, you know, a back, back roster player for the Patriots for like eight years. You know, he's like a, <laughs> he's a, he's a possession yes. guy, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, that's why he got a lot of usage this year because, you know, obviously you had, you had Lawrence and you had, you had ETN. You had the superstars, but Lawrence did not have the same kind of studs. Whereas last year, I mean, if you, you look at his downfield passing when he was throwing specifically to T. Higgins, the numbers were just absolutely absurd. But this year, he didn't. It, it wasn't the same sort of thing because he didn't have um, the same sort of playmaking capability. You know, it's, it's just a more limited uh, type player, and and we saw that manifest on the field. But you know, it's it's not a knock on on Cornell Powell. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, this is a guy. He, he was basically, uh, uh, you know, in in baseball parlance, an organizational soldier for for Clemson for several years. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he's been on special teams units. He, he he's a hardworking kid, etc. I I think he's a kid you draft probably very late. Um, he's going to come in. He's going to work hard. He's going to be on some core special teams units uh, for you initially. Um, and he's going to try to work his way up. You know, he's going to be a, a fifth receiver, whatever, you know, but his his ceiling might be third, fourth receiver and and right. more of just sort of a limited type station to station type. Yeah, I mean, guy. I just don't see the juice there. I don't either. And and he was even before this year, he'd never had more than 120 rec- receiving yards in, in a season. But however, Amari Rogers had a, a couple seasons where he was like the the wide receiver three pretty much. For Clemson, even before this year, and then he kind of like, finally explodes, has a one thousand yard season this year. But he had a couple of years where he was doing something more so than Cornell Powell. Are you are you, are you more excited about Rodgers at all? I would say just slightly, because uh, I think that Rodgers has just a little bit more juice. So just in terms of like you know just thinking about upside, I I would just say a little bit more. Um, I, I I see a little bit more ceiling there, but again, I I, I don't see him as as a guy that 
you know, I'm going to prioritize on my draft board. But he he does, you know, to my eye. I mean, we'll see when they when they go out and test. But to me, he he looks like the more athletic kid that you can do a few more things with than than Cornell. Yeah, but for me, I I can't find myself really getting excited about either of them for NFL purposes. But they did they did step up when we you know when Clemson definitely needed somebody to. I thought it was going to be one of the bigger body guys like, you know, Ladson and Gata, but that just didn't happen. That didn't materialize this year. Maybe it will next year, but something has yeah, in to. Yeah, part because of injuries yeah. and stuff like that, right? Like they had some injuries out there with those young kids. So, I mean, you know, and again, you know, credit to, to Powell specifically. But again, I, I just think in a normal year where, you know, Clemson had complete health out there, you know, I mean, Ross specifically, but that you know, Gata, oh. he had. He had injuries all season. Ladson had some injuries. Um, yeah. If those three guys are healthy all season, there's a chance that Cornell Powell is is the wide receiver four or five on this team, as opposed to the the go to guy. You know, and um, and you know if 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 the wide receiver room was fully fleshed out, Amari Rogers could have slid more into a a natural type, you know, Swiss Army type uh, role, as opposed to having to be more of a a feature type guy himself. So, yeah, um, you know, and this this goes back to the context thing again, which is like just to make a more general point. I, I think one huge advantage that people that do NFL draft work or Devi work, you know, or, or or stuff like that, but they come at it from the perspective of college football, like they're you know they're guys that watch, you know, they watch the games, they they follow the sport, etc. They have a big advantage over NFL draft guys that come at it from the NFL perspective in that they understand contact you know because like um you know people you know listening at home i I don't think they have a great um context to understand like people that do this like um you know someone that 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 is you know during the regular season is mostly doing nfl work and then they start doing nfl draft work in january (laughs) the way they do their uh, i'll tell you the way they do their job because i i I do this job they they're going to sit down with every single guy and they're going to watch three to four uh condensed cut-ups of their games from their senior their their last season you know and then they're gonna put that in you know in conjunction with their testing numbers etc well you know that's fine you you get a little bit of context for it but there's enormous issues that come with that the the main thing is is you miss all all surrounding context right because you're only looking at the player in in the vacuum of these randomly selected we'll even say four games you know that 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 you're watching (laughs) exactly you know and a great example you know one that i point there's a million examples of this but but one example that i point to with this is um a few years ago there was a player uh from my state of of minnesota but he went to arkansas named frank reg now he he was an offensive lineman and his entire process uh you know senior year nobody really talked about frank reg now and coming out, Frank Ragnow was seen as like a third round pick. Well, right before the draft, all of a sudden, Frank Ragnow takes on helium. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you know, we got to trade up for Frank Ragnow. And some people are like scratching their heads like, well, I thought all the draft people didn't really like Frank Ragnow. I'll tell you exactly what happened there for, for people sitting out there. Why why was the draft media lower on Frank Ragnow than NFL scouts? I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. Because that season, Frank Ragnow had... I believe it was a high ankle sprain or something like that. That during the during his last season he had some issue that to his credit he played through. He did not have to, but he played through it. Severely compromised him. And he he had a couple, you know, obviously Arkansas, that that was with Bielema. They were playing, you know, the SEC. They had matchups against Arkansas, you know, Georgia, et cetera. A couple of those games, Ragnar got his lunch eaten because he, he was playing stuff. on this yeah. yeah he's playing on this bum wheel and he's you know going up against these guys that are about to go on the top 10 in the, in the NFL draft well if if you only watch 3 games of Frank Ragnow 
And let's say two of them, he had this high ankle sprain. And in both of them, he happened to be going up against guys that, that were going to go on to be first-round NFL picks. What do you think you're going to leave the, that you know that w- with your impression of Frank Ragnow? It, it, it's not going to be, oh, this is an interesting kid. You're actually going to be scratching your head saying, people think this is a third-round pick? This guy stinks. He can't move. He he can barely keep his hands on, you know, the Alabama, you know, defenders. These are the guys you can be facing in the NFL. He can't block them. So, um, you know, it, it just goes back to the whole context thing, which you look at Justin Fields. If, if you know, again, I mean, obviously this is, isn't going to happen because, you know, unfortunately for Frank Ragnow, he didn't really have any high profile game. Fields' game last night is going to erase a lot of this stuff. But if you were, you know, if, if that wasn't the case and Justin Fields is like, you know, playing at like a G5 school and, and you just happen to look at, you know, his Northwestern game and, you know, you know, one of those other games where his players were out and, you know, he, he got nicked up or whatever, you'd see him as a little bit different player. So yeah, I, I just think like, you know, we talked about the context with, with Trey Sermon or, or some of these other guys, you just have to consider the context of, of, of all these, these different guys. And the more context, you know, about the players, the better off you're going to be. For instance, uh, you know, after the last draft when uh, James Robinson signed with Jacksonville, I I wrote in my uh, UDFA column that if there was one player in the NFL that I thought was going to have uh, a Philip Lindsay season, it was James Robinson. You know, and I was suggesting everyone go out and sign James Robinson. Well, it, the reason that I could do that, it, it's a context thing. What you know, you know, as far as like why did why did James Robinson go? you know, un- undrafted and stuff like that, you you just look at it in, you know, in, in, in the vacuum that it exists in, and also the sort of the vacuum, you know, as, as far as the NFL roster that, that he's on at that point. But that was a guy who had gotten a little bit unlucky during his career, but it sort of transcended all circumstances. And it also tested better than uh, we thought he was going to test at the combine. So just the point to people out there, the, the more context, you know, the better off you're going to be both projecting people, but also, you know, constructing your fantasy lineups, dynasty lineups, etc. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, it's important context to know just back to other wide receivers in the college football playoff I mean like Chris Olave uh what he's doing this year is incredible I mean he and, and he, he's going to probably declare for the NFL draft and he's going to be one of the youngest players in this class I mean he's going to be 20 years old I think until June uh of this year so the the fact that uh, even a year ago he was already accounting for 25 percent of Ohio State's offense, and then this year it exploded in even more so, uh, in an even in more impressive fashion, accounting for easily well over thirty percent of their offense, uh, and being efficient in doing so, burning people deep down the field. He's going to be one of the youngest players in this NFL draft, and I think he's going to get second round draft capital. I think he's going to come in and be really incredibly fast. Uh, but it's funny, he's going to be a little bit slider in frame probably also. Uh, a couple guys are going to be like that. But Devontae Smith, conversely, is going to be one of the older guys in the class. But, you know, has has been breaking records and making people look silly. And, uh, of course, catching 20 touchdowns this year. He's, he's now, I think, tied for uh, sixth all-time among all wide receivers in college football history for for receiving touchdowns. So he's got a, a lot of accolades going for him. But both these guys are going to be a little bit slight, a little bit slender. Uh, they both have incredible speed. They both can win down deep. They can both win route running. I think that there, there are already people that are going to be comparing the, those two players. Uh, but it's interesting because a lot of a has the production, adjusted production metrics that we like to see at a much younger age. So I, I don't think anybody anybody has Olave over Devontae Smith right now, but do you think that those two guys are closer than than some might think? Uh, well, I will say I think Olave is better than uh, public perception. So yeah. in, in terms of that, yes. But I also I think Devontae Smith is insane. So I like I wouldn't for me I wouldn't put Olave on that 
on his plane. However, I do believe that Olave has put himself in the position to pass other guys that in the preseason, you wouldn't have thought that, you know, for instance, like, you know, a guy like Rashad Bateman, you might put him up there. Um, you know, I, I don't know how it's the, the conversation is going to go down with your boy, Rondale Moore, you know, yeah. this sort of a guy yeah. that people aren't talking. I love Rondale Moore. I mean, Rondell Moore is a guy that I'm going to rank higher than other people. I, I assume probably you as well. Um, but, you know, like that stuff's going to be interesting. But I, I like Olave more than some other guys because, I mean, like you mentioned, he's got the juice. Um, but like, you know, that, that's just obvious. But the other thing I like about him, you bring up the really good point about how young he is. And also the, the point about what an insane portion of the air target, you know, market share that he was getting of the, the Ohio State aerial offense at a young age. You also talk about a guy who is was consistently getting separation. Um, at a very very young age and that's yeah. that's something that i like i like to look for some of the i mean like doing this this work as well i always look for in my myself my own work who are the guys that i i miss on or that i you know at a, a certain position is you know do i have any sort of quirks you know it's just like sort of like travis like with girls right like you know like we you know like uh, i you know earlier in my life i had a i had a disposition for sort of like uh you know self-destructive girls that didn't need me etc you know you sort of have a bias for this but you're sort of self-selecting these people that are, are going to go bust and you're, you're sort of self-sabotaging etc you know with, with with receivers i i think i have had sometimes a uh, an unfortunate thing to sort of fetishize the the size speed kind of guys and you know at times maybe not give as much credit for the guys who are just consistently gaining um, ridiculous separation and when the ball is anywhere you know in in their sort of vicinity is is pulling it in at the, at the college level you know you, you maybe you knock them down because of a slight frame maybe you knock them down because of uh, poor combine numbers, you know, or, or, or various things like this. And that's something that I'm I'm learning, you know, and, and, and trying to get better at as far as, you know, evaluating the receiver position. Um, I'm not going to make that mistake again with Devontae Smith. What what he's done is is ridiculous. He's he might be the best, um, you know, just pure college receiver that I've I've seen, you know, since I've been doing this draft work like his his production. And what he's doing against cornerbacks once, you know, in past years, you know, going back to this in past years with, with Alabama, you had a team that had so many different skill guys on the field at, at, at you know, at, at any time where every single one of them could get the ball. So you, you had a situation where five guys on the field, Tua could throw to any one of them at any one oh, time, yeah. like, you know, whatever. They were just um, stacks. This season was not the same. <laughs> you know, this season you had Mac Jones and he was only going to one of three guys. And generally when Mac Jones did not hand the ball off immediately to, to Najee Harris, the defense knew that the ball was going to, was going to Devontae and they still uh, could not stop it. And even when Devontae caught the ball, they couldn't get him on, on the ground. You know, I mean, you look at Devontae and he's, they list him at 175 pounds. I'm not even sure that he's he's 175 yeah, pounds. He might I mean, not like, be. His, yeah, I mean, his dimensions scare you. You know, when you when you look at the historical precedent of of NFL. Uh, receivers and his testing numbers that we've seen from Alabama. If if he tests like that again at the NFL Combine, um, I'm just telling everyone right now it's going to cause an uproar um, because if he runs in the high fours or the low fives, you know, at at 173 pounds at the Combine, uh, people are going to start going going ape and saying, you know, is, yeah. is Devontae Smith worth a high first round? You know, yeah, like, like he runs a four five two, and people are going to go freak out. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see all this stuff about, you know, no NFL receiver who's, who's ever run in the four fives, you know, at, at less than 180 pounds has ever been picked in the top, you know, whatever. You yeah. see all this different stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be but, a mess. You know, like, 
Yeah, I mean, like the, the other thing is just like there's at a certain level of competition when you dominate to that. It was it was like the Joe Burrow thing last year where I just loved Tua, but I just had to throw my hands up and, and rank Burrow above him because that was the best season we'd ever seen. It was the best college quarterbacks you know season we'd ever seen, not just statistically, not just with the the eye test, but when you know when you looked at all of the different advanced numbers, you looked at his tight window throws, you you looked at all that different stuff. It was just a different level than anything we'd ever seen before. And so you just say, okay, you, you just throw your hands up, and it's 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 going to be the same thing with Devonte. And by the way, going back to the 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 Burrow thing, because I, I think this is going to be interesting as far as Devonte goes, because you're going to have Jamar Chase, as everybody knows, did not play this season. So the most important thing for any any prospect is is their final season of film. You know, that's you know when they submit that to the end. That's that's the most important thing for their eva. So. Jamar Chase's tape from last season is going to be the most important part of, of, of his eval, just like, you know, for Devontae uh, this season. And one interesting thing, you know, to think about is Joe Burrow last season, you know, when, when you talk again about the, the tight window throws or the down downfield throws, stuff like that, his numbers um, on, on all those different kind of throws were just different than anything we'd ever seen before. Everything was just right there. You know, the accuracy was was insane. Uh, Mac Jones, it's not the same, and it's the reason why I don't I don't like Mac Jones quite as quite you know as, as much as like you know that that sort of you know draft capital whatever. You look at Mac Jones's tight window throws, it's it's closer to like fifty percent completions, whereas Joe Burrow, it was more like you know high sixty percent, which you know, is with, insane. Like, like, it was like near unprecedented stuff. Like I I remember digging into some of that too, and it was just bonkers. And and part of it I think had to do though with Chase. Is that is that what you were getting at too? Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it, I mean, you know, we don't need to compare Burrow against uh, Jones because that's not going to be a draft debate this year. What is is is, is Chase against Devonte, And so I, I think, you know, when you're looking at the, the tape of these guys, you have to understand that that Chase was was in a much, uh, you know, was in probably the best college offense of all time. And he was with perhaps the best college, you know, the quarterback that was playing the best season of all time. And so, it, you know, it was the most advantageous possible you know situation now of course he did win the bullet in the coffin he, he was awesome everything like that and his measurables are, are are almost certainly going to be better than i mean obviously in, in terms of size and stuff like that um but probably athletic testing as well might be a bit better than Devonte as well but Devonte is is putting up you know better stats without any help he, he didn't have just i mean justin jefferson is much is a much better receiver than you know than john mechie you know and like i yeah. mean you just sort of go down um, LSU just had a much better to, to me the, the, you know that that LSU offense was was better than this, this Alabama offense like yeah I mean um, they're I, both I like probably yeah they're, they're both like ridiculous teams in terms of all-time rosters probably but yeah I, that that context is key in understanding the difference between the quarterbacks that they were playing with and and so I mean here at Rotoviz uh, we really do like age-adjusted production and so I think the analytics community is still going to hold on to Chase though because he was doing basically the same exact thing that Devontae Smith is doing, but he was doing at age age 19 versus Devontae Smith doing that at age 22. And so I think that's, that, that, is, that has shown to be meaningful over the years in terms of age-adjusted production translating to a kind of a higher ceiling in the NFL in big sample sizes uh, over the years. We've seen that over and over and over again. But I still have Devontae Smith. With that said, I still have Devontae Smith as my wide receiver two and Chase as my wide receiver one. And I'm moving up Chris Olave, who also has great age adjusted production, moving him up because of what he's done this year. Just all these guys just doing ridiculous things. 
that are in this college football playoff. And it's it's no wonder that they're in the college football playoff because they just absolutely <laughs> dominated. Uh, and it's funny, we haven't even hardly mentioned any Notre Dame players at all in this conversation <laughs> because uh, I think it, Notre Dame was just such so clearly a, a step down uh, from the, uh, the other three rosters. The only time they beat it, it was with the true freshman quarterback. I mean, I, I love DJ Uyunglele, but you know, he's not where Trevor Lawrence is. And so that's the only reason that was even a game, but yep. is there anybody else for Notre Dame that, that you're excited about this year or even next year uh, for NFL draft purposes? Well, not Ian Book. Uh, Ian Book should begin his coaching <laughs> no. career when he, when he yeah, completes that, college. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like, you know, they have a couple different running backs that are interesting. You know, yeah, I, I, like I, I like Kyron Williams. Oh, you know, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, and they, Notre Dame has made, you know, specifically with Notre Dame, you're talking about a team that for, for NFL draft purposes is not quite as sexy. They've, you know, in recent years really made an emphasis on, on beefing up the trenches. And so I think there was this stat of like the last, you know, five years or whatever, they have the most, you know, first round NFL offensive line, and maybe it's six, seven years. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Their um, offensive like, line is ridiculous every year. Yeah. They, they have a really good offensive line. You know, they, they were able to run the ball. You know, they had a three headed monster at, at running back. And so even when Kyron wasn't in when it was Sebo or the other kid, they were always able to run the ball. Obviously, you know, book generally had time, you know, to scramble around, whatever. So, I mean, they got kids in the trenches. They also got kids on, on defense as well. So, I, I think that's mostly what you're looking at. Kyron might do some stuff, you know, in the NFL as far as like a dynasty perspective, but like, yeah. you know, fa- fantasy players, you're probably looking at the other three playoff teams for your yeah. the next decade in the, the NFL. Not not so much Notre Dame. I think I think Kyron Williams though. I think he could be in that uh, day two conversation. Should be in the day two conversation for 2022, especially since day, 2022 doesn't have a very strong running back class. Uh, in terms of depth, especially, so I think he'll be in that conversation. Chris Tyree, I really like. He was their true freshman. Uh, really gave them a spark. Even in the game against Alabama, he had a really solid run. So I think he could be their future there too. Uh, but I'm I'm more excited about the the quarterback that they're bringing in, bringing in next year that will inevitably get them back to the playoff for another embarrassing loss. But Tyler Buckner uh, is going to be the future there at Notre Dame. Probably starts from day one uh, next next fall or this this coming fall. So I'm excited to see what he could be. But yeah, there's not as many NFL players. If you like defense, I mean Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, whatever that that mouthful is. I mean he yep. he's he's probably going to be a top fifty pick this year. Really, he's probably not big enough to be stereotypical middle linebacker, but he's going to be all over the field at the next level. So I'm excited to see what what he does. Uh, and a lot of people like Kyle Williams at safety. I'm not as, as high on him, but yeah, def- definitely it was clearly a mismatch. From there's a reason why it was a 20 point line, uh, and they just kind of limped across and barely covered that. But uh, but and any other guys you want to talk about uh, specifically that you're pumped for? Uh, more so than others for the NFL draft before we wrap it up. Well, here. one, yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, just just talking about the playoff, I I still firmly believe that Notre Dame should not have been included. That this is not a hindsight thing. This is something I I said at the time. And the team that I I think should have been in actually lost yesterday. And I still think Cincinnati they and Cincinnati. Yes, yeah, thank you, it, thank you. Yeah, I mean Cincinnati, and and you know if you watch that game yesterday, Cincinnati had Georgia beat. Um, oh. they you know they lost on a on a 57 yard field goal at the very end of the game. But, um, you know, I mean, Georgia, they, they you know, they, they did have a couple opt-outs, but Georgia was, this wasn't a situation like when UCF upset, um, was it Auburn, you know, a couple of years ago, Auburn in that game, they, they didn't show up. This was not a case like that with no. Georgia. G- Georgia came to win that game and 
uh, Cincinnati gave them everything they could handle, and that was an SEC game. That, that Cincinnati team, in my opinion, is probably the best G5 team in the playoff era. They should have been in in the playoff, I think. And, yeah. you know, if people say, like, oh, they were just going to get smoked by Alabama. Who cares? Notre Dame <laughs> just got smoked by Alabama. Yeah. We didn't need to see that again. No. But, you know, like, we, we, we just saw Notre Dame get absolutely blasted in two straight games. We knew they were going to get blasted by Alabama. How? Because they had the biggest spread in, in, in postseason history on them. You know, the, the, the negative 20 was, was the highest, uh, you know, playoff line that, that there had ever been. I was on Notre Dame, and I got a, I got a BS backdoor cover at the end. Thank you, Ian Book. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, they ended go. up losing, I think, 31 to 14 or 17 or, or whatever. But anyway, I, I think Cincinnati should have been in. And, and maybe the last guy I want to bring up, because we, you know, we talked about, you know, the sort of the top tier quarterbacks. Um, but I, I think, you know, this is also an interesting class for sort of the, the second tier guys, because, you know, a lot of those guys haven't, you know, been talked about as much because, you know, you have sort of that top five or six guys that, have, you know, get sort of ubiquitously talked about, oh, yeah. um, you know, Jamie Newman's a guy coming into the season that, you know, was talked about a lot. You know, he, his name hasn't been mentioned now in months and months, but I, I don't want to talk about Jamie Newman. The guy I want to talk about is Desmond Ritter, who is yeah, like, he, he gets, yeah, Ritter, Ritter's really interesting because there's, there's certain guys on draft Twitter who are, he's like their, their pet, you know, he's like their, their, you know, their, their top sleeper guy. And then there's other guys that don't like Desmond, Desmond Ritter at all. Did the, the aforementioned uh, agency that I said before, they're, they're not big fans of, of Desmond Ritter, which I was actually a little bit surprised about, although he had told me that earlier in the season um, and Ritter ended up just going off like over the last yeah. six, seven games, like after they played SMU from then on, Ritter just was a different quarterback, um, especially throwing the ball for sure. But on the ground as well, was he just showed a different sort of element to his game. I, I was sort of curious your take on, on Ritter, like where you have him. Yeah, I actually I have Ritter as quarterback seven right now, and he I think in my top one hundred series I had him in the sixties. That included like uh, this is for fantasy football purposes. That included IDPs like individual defensive players. So I had him pretty pretty much way higher than most probably, uh, and I was really ecstatic to see him just go off like he did. And he was had he put together like that four or five week stretch, like that you mentioned, like for the whole season, like he could have snuck into the Heisman conversation just because of what he was doing. It was just absurd. I do like Ritter. I don't think he's going to get anywhere close to day one capital, which we really like to see for any translation to starting in the NFL, but he could surprise some people. I think for sure. Yeah. Ritter's like, I haven't, I haven't worked this, this sort of comparison out in my mind yet. So this might sound weird, but he's sort of like, like Kellen Mond. If Kellen Mond like got like uh you know, took like three shots before the game. It's sort of like Kellen Mond if he had like just a little bit of YOLO ball in him. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. cause it's like, you know, Kellen Mond, like it's like sort of Jimbo sort of got the restrictor boots on him. You know, it, it, it's almost like, and this is almost, you almost downgrade Kellen Mond a little bit. Cause you wonder, does Jimbo not trust them totally? You know, like Kellen Mond's completion percentage went up this year. Interceptions went down. But, you know, they weren't taking a ton of chances with them. You know, it's a really slow-moving offense, and it, it, it's fairly methodical in terms of that. Um, Cincinnati has a slow-moving offense as well, but they really do trust Ritter. I mean, the, oh, the ball is always in his hands. The the, the running game for Cincinnati um, this year, I thought it was going to be much better, and it, it wasn't good. Um, Jared Dokes and uh, Jerome Ford, which should be a good running back combo in the, the G5, was not very effective this year. And, yeah, and so that that that's why Ritter, like, 
you know, since the SMU game, like he basically became the running back too. And <laughs> he, I mean, like, so he was doing that, but then also his, his passing, like really, really took a, took a step up and he made some impressive throws. I mean, he, he has an impressive arm on him w- with him. It's interesting because I mean, he does make, sometimes you'll see some, some wonky decisions, you know, um, not anywhere. It's like, I mean, Mond, Mond makes decisions that are, <laughs> Mond has legit glitches where it's just like, oh, Mond, like what, what, are you, what, just, what are you doing? What happened there? Um, <laughs> yeah, but but like they, they sort of have the same sort of like starter kit of, of skills. It's just like Ritter has been more freed by his coaching staff to, you know, to run around, to, to, to throw the ball down the field. Um, and, to, and to do these different things. And so I find him interesting. He still has, his game still needs to, to be developed for sure. I mean, at this point, he's, he's still a developmental prospect for sure. But um, he is intriguing, you know, like once he started getting past the, the, the top no doubters. Yeah, absolutely. There's just so many good players this year. It's going to be, going to be a fun draft. I, I was worried that it wouldn't be as incredible. I think uh, r- about this time last year, before a lot of guys like Travis Etienne and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith decided to go back, I was like, man, 2021 is not going to be super deep, but it's turned out to be uh, incredibly deep at most positions, except for maybe maybe running back. And there's even some surprises there. But uh, this has been a, a blast just talking about some of these college football playoff playmakers and some other, other names we've thrown into, into the hat as well. So Really appreciate you coming on talking about uh, some of the best players in college football that are about to take the stage in the NFL. Thor, uh, anything else you want to kind of plug that you're excited about right now? I know I love your positional rankings and things that you guys you guys do over at Roto World uh, throughout draft season. But anything you're excited that you're working on now? Once the uh, coming up here in the next week, I'll be I'll be dropping a national title preview. Um, so you know, I'll be excited about that. We might do a, a live show on uh, on Roto World breaking down like props and the, the sides of the national title game too. So I'm nice. we're working on that. So that'll be something cool too. Um, and then after that, my I, I got the best job in the world because it's like you know at the end of the season you're starting to get a little bit tired. You know I, I've sort of been in my bunker here the last couple of weeks just churning out these bowl previews. You know, every day I just wake up and I'm just you know it's one more game. Now it's the Duke Mayo Bowl I'm breaking down. Now it's you know whatever the Camellia Bowl whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, once I start, you know, getting low on the gas tank, then it's like all of a sudden the New Year's Day bowls are here and I'm done with my bowl previews. And then we got the natty. And then all of a sudden now we're flipping over to the NFL draft and like nothing gets your your gas tank going again. Like, you know, flipping the page over and getting into the NFL draft. So, yeah, I mean, then, you know, we're talking senior bowl combine and we'll be getting into the position previews and, you, you know, scouting reports, stuff like that and uh, building up to. Uh, my Thor 500 big board with you yeah. know, 500 comps on 500 players. So yeah, um, it's, that's one of my it's, favorites. You know, it's going to be another wild ride. Yeah, that, that's I really look forward to that. Uh, I really appreciate your work on that. That that takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, but it, uh, you're one of the best out there. So appreciate you coming on again. You can find Thor on Twitter at Thorku. That's T H O R K U. Uh, you can find his work Roto World NBC Sports does does great coverage. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, a great smart guy uh, loves loves playing some NCAA tw- uh, 2014 as well, and and for some reason still roots for Kansas. But hey, I I I still root for Purdue in football too, so we can we can cry together most years. But <laughs> but at least your team has has some hope. Although now that Rondale's leaving, you might yeah. be uh, you and yeah. I might be at the exact same camp going forward. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how. It- <laughs> 
how it goes next year. Maybe David Bell will bring some magic, magic still somehow. Oh, but you do have David Bell. That's yes, there's still player. something something to get excited about. But everybody, thanks again for joining us uh, for another College to Canton podcast. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can follow the show at College to Canton. Uh, that's college the number two Canton on Twitter and uh, we'll actually get to some fun uh, NFL draft polls here soon talking about some uh, where, where all these rookies should be ranked here and so everybody can disagree and argue uh, <laughs> over all their favorite playmakers here soon uh, but definitely look forward to many more episodes of the College of Canton podcast with y'all in this brand new year but you guys enjoy the college football playoff and uh, the, the start of NFL draft season and I'll see you all again soon